All right, welcome back. Episode 32 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. I'm here with my good friend, Max, aka Cards Max. Don't call him Mini Edition. Max, how are you doing? Do not call me Cards Mini. No. <laughs> call me Cards Max. I'm doing great. You know, a reign of Sapphire Edition and First Edition is my life outlook right now. I'm wearing the glasses and I'm ready to be critical. Your glasses kind of look like the whole like craze of 3D 3D movie glasses for a little bit there. That was a crazy time period in life. I missed those. That was what, like 2004, 2005, you'd be seeing like Toy Story 2 with 3D glasses. Yeah, that was a great time. And or I think that, I, like 1980s Back to the Future, before I was even alive, there's that one guy in Biff Tannen's gang who always wore 3D glasses. Or is that like, am I referencing a fad that was before like I was alive? I feel like this is tough for us as our generation to be trying to figure out what's going on in Back to the Future right now. But Did you own an iPhone or own any other phone before an iPhone? Yeah, I had a phone before an iPhone. I had a little slide up. And then I was lucky because I had two older sisters. And then my parents went to go get them iPhones when I was like in sixth grade. And then they came back. They were like, oh, it was a buy two, get one free deal. So you got one for free. So I was really blessed, actually. Oh, nice. Like, my parents, like, held out the iPhone. But, like, you know, I'm point being, we were around during the times where, like, people didn't just have, you know, flip phones and that stuff. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a new We are tops town children, as I like to call our generation. That's actually, like, flip phones are the tops town. Top town is the flip phone of collecting, where it's, like, you get the new wave of collecting. You get, I like you get that. Like you're getting like the middle of like the technology renaissance where we're just plateauing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the Topstown children are were the top shot adults. Do you know about Upper Deck's own gaming system? Or not well, like video game system, but like their system with cards? Well, I know about Upper Deck Power Up, which involved a point system where you went online to do a like you entered your code that was on the card and it gave you a certain amount of points. Yes. It's on the back of the card. It's the four alphanumeric letters. You can what still was, see them on upper deck cards for older cards. What What was the purpose of those? I'm not sure. I wasn't cognitively developed yet in order to... You were on Webkins it. when that was going on. No, but I did do upper deck as well. I wasn't a Topstown kid. But I would guess uh, four letter number combinations on the back of upper deck cards for like these points. And so my account got locked because my parents wouldn't buy me more packs. And then when I got more packs, I would just hunt to see if they were codes on the back. Would Did you play backyard baseball on the PC? No, I wasn't. Like with like the – this is yeah. what's no. the name? The Pablo Wolves? Sanchez. Pablo Wait, Sanchez. Can, we, can we talk about Pablo Sanchez for a sec? Because I just bought a card of his. Yes. So Pablo Sanchez, the goat of backyard baseball and backyard football, back all backyard sports really, huge important figure of my life. Uh, I would play backyard baseball all the time, backyard baseball '03 specifically, and he would just hit bombs. And I just am a huge fan of that game. And they actually put Pacific, shout out Pacific, uh, one of the best card brands out there. RIP uh, actually did a set for them, which I think came in the disc for this for uh, the PC. And I just bought the uh, Pablo Sanchez rookie. There's also a football version, and I think an even like a pre-rookie type deal. Um, so I'll have to I'll have to post a picture of that on our story after this. But shout out Pablo Sanchez, the goat, 
aka the secret weapon uh legendary figure but max enough with the side tracking what's side going on this week what is going on what? this week okay we had a little technical hot spot difficulty going on what's going on this week I went to the New Yorker Big Apple card show yesterday. I set up behind a table. It was a lot of fun, moderate fun. I'm not too sure. I traded in a big stash of Aaron Judge buybacks. I think it was about $2,000 worth of Aaron Judge buybacks. I'm not 100% sure, but I cleared out my entire stash. And I bought a lot of cards with those judges. The dealer that I was with is partnered with an LCS, Pop Century Collectibles in Oakland, New Jersey. And I have a lot of cards to work with. Behind the table, I was just in the art of wheeling and dealing. I had a fun time wheeling and dealing. And I'm very anti working behind a table. I think... It's something that I personally haven't mastered yet, and I think there are shows where table working is extremely important, and you get so much more value thinking about shows like, obviously I haven't experienced this yet, Dallas, or even to a lesser extent Philly, you pay your $200, $300 for the weekend, you get your three-day table, you're getting thousands of people probably coming up to your table or walking around your table. And you're definitely maximizing the impressions that you get on your table. While if you're at a mom and pop local show that has 50 to 100 people walking around your table and they're charging 50 to $100, that isn't worth it. So this New York crowd was a little bit in the middle in terms of the amount of people going to this show. There was uh, what some- was the, what's the ratio? What's the briefcase, oh, the ratio? briefcase ratio? Briefcase ratio was low. It was mostly walkers obviously excuse me everyone's a walker but mostly walkers that had a backpack or a small case it wasn't a full zion case show it's not like every prepubescent got the 200 zion case for their birthday and they're just walking around slinging it and damaging it on top of the dealer showcases this was more of a subtle show where the cards weren't as flashy so does that mean that you have less people coming up to you to trying to sell you stuff as a dealer? I feel like that's something that I tend to notice from people with big Zion briefcases is that they are going up to people and going up to dealers and trying to like actively sell their stuff to the dealers. Did you have that experience? I had a few experiences where people were walking up to me wanting instant liquidity, which ideally is what you want as a dealer, right? You want to be able to cash someone out at, 60 to 80% recent sold value, higher, of course, depending on what the item is, and lower if it's bulkier. And with that in mind, the people that are less intense into cards but just want the instant cash now, that's the type of people that you're looking for. So I had a few of those walk up, and even in my case, I had one or two guys that saw I was buying out people, and they just wanted to get their cash next. Sometimes they were asking too much. Sometimes I would be looking at the entire situation of someone's cards that they're bringing up and they just wanted too much. And I waste my time, which is a bit of a skill that I have to develop myself that and not paying too much, but it was a demographic of people that doesn't make cards their entire life, which I think is good if you're behind the table. 
or the very benefits. Was there any notable deals that went down? Like any notable people that came up to you with cool cards that either you did buy or wanted to buy that the price was a little off? Um, Coolest cards that came up to me probably was one I bought. I don't think there was a situation where there was a card where it's like, oh, like I need to have it and I'm not letting it walk away because especially in the context of bulk deals, I'm more apathetic about it. Mm-hmm. But I picked up a PSA 10 Mike Trout 2019 Tops Update Gold Refractor out of 50. And I got that in a kind of like, hey, I'm giving you instant cash type of deal. But maybe I paid a little bit more than I would in a bulk deal just because I'm like, okay, this card fucks. I had to do a moment to see if I could like swear on this podcast, but I forgot. It's my podcast. Flip it. Yeah. Flip it. This, this card fucks. I see it as a fake Gold Refractor because it's Update. And updated so many all-star games. and Is that what it is? Is it one of those like insert gold refractors out of 50? Or is it like an actual base card? Or is it it the league leaders? Is it league leaders? 2020 COVID was really bad because they were just like grasping at straws for cards you put into the product for update. So I think there's like two or three trout active leaders or league leaders cards. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those. 2019 is just the regular all-star game card which i mm-hmm. think is the only card in the checklist for update and for he's wearing trout. for trout and he's wearing tyler skaggs's uniform which makes it a little bit interesting that's a little bit oh, that's cool r.i.p but, um yeah i mean my plan with it is either sell it privately at full comps or use that as ammo for trout collectors to trade for because I know that that card doesn't grow at $200, which is what the last sale is. So, well, if you want it, or excuse me, there's, you know, if the available listings aren't as saturated, then it's okay. I can use this as a leverage piece to get a rarer trout card. That's, that's my now, at least that I stumbled that, into. That's cool that that would walk up to you and trout gold refractor out of 50. That's pretty fire. But there's some other news this week, Max. I'm glad that you had a successful overall successful show. Wait, before I move on, I have to ask you, how much did you invest into your judge your judges that you traded in and what were some of the cards, notable cards that you got in the lot for your buybacks? Okay, good thing that you bring that up because that was fun. I in a in all legality, I am sales tax exempt in the state of New York and meaning that when I sell an item, I am legally obligated to charge sales tax or at the very least pay New York state sales tax on that order that the buyer's paying. So because I'm charging sales tax on items that I sell, particularly on eBay, eBay's collecting the sales tax anyway. So that's specific to that regard. But in order to not get pay sales tax in New York state when I'm buying an item and have a buyer pay sales tax when I sell an item and to double dip, New York state is double dipping into that sales tax. I am sales tax. I have, you know, certificate of authority resale in New York state. Why that's relevant to the judges is because on eBay, if a judge is worth $20 and they are being listed for 15 and I don't have to pay sales tax on that technically, because it's an item that I would have the intent to resell and that eBay has my account to where item items in the trading card category that I shipped to New York, I am sales tax exempt for. I was getting those judges and Goldschmidt's without having to pay additional sales tax on the eBay price. So really, if there was any judge or Goldschmidt listing 
at about 75% of the buyback value or smaller, I would just pounce bin, buy it now on it. And that was the best way for me to amass my stack. Do you know so, how many, do you know how much, were you like keeping track of how much yes. you spent on it? How much I, I had about, I want to say probably 30 or 40 total orders across all platforms. I only got scammed once. Ironically, it wasn't from eBay, but I had a Twitter user, uh, plain white envelope, envelope me a Paul Goldschmidt. And turns out they just didn't, they just decided not to ship their entire stack sale, according to other buyers from that user. But I only got, I only <laughs> Watch got out scammed. for scammers. <laughs> Watch out for scammers. No, and I made a spreadsheet specifically to tally this because I'm like, if I'm getting 30 Judge and Goldschmidt chromes, I am not going to be able to keep track of who didn't send me stuff. So yeah. make sure to be extra careful with that. But to get to the juicy part of the question, I amassed about $2,000 worth of Judge Goldschmidt buyback cards that I paid about $1,350 for. That's awesome. And then you bought, you used those buybacks and you traded them basically, or did you actually sell them? Or is it basically uh, trade, it, trade in? And then this was a ho hobby shop. So they are sending it into tops for cash. Yeah. And I pretty much paid a little bit less than full comps on the cards that I got. Um, coolest cards from the lot, which was a little bit interesting because Part of it on me was just to find cards, you know, have a $2,000 spending spree at this store, essentially at this dealer's table. And um, Jamar Chase tie-dye select out of 25 autograph PSA 10 was the biggest card of the lot. I think that was worth about $800 or so, give or take. I bought a Robert De Niro Leaf Pop Century autograph, SGC 9.5. Our favorite from Taxi Driver and Joker and a long slew of other movies. Is that your first Pop Century card that you've owned? It is. I was surprised that it's like worth that much. Can you tell me more about Pop Century? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit with Courtney, but it's like, I think it's too unfocused. It actually started out as a good product, as money product. Because it seems extremely unfocused. It's very unfocused. They don't really have license for images for everyone. So they sometimes just have to use names, which I think obviously decreases the value of the product. It relies heavily on people just wanting big patches that have like some relevance. I mean, who knows what Panini's actually doing with these? These are like the most unregulated things out there. A lot of sticker autos. But it really comes from just like a desire for people to have like any sort of celebrity based autograph or celebrity based autograph uh, set. And I think it I mean, it could be better as most leaf things are, but you know, at least it's something and it's better than, you know, what tops and upper deck and Panini are doing with the pop culture area, which is basically nothing. So, well, uh, it's leaf, not Panini. And I'm not just doing that to, you know, give you some punches to the shoulder figuratively, of course. No, I'm saying I said that Panini's not doing anything. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure, but I'm at least Brian Gray. He's an individual. Brian Gray is a real human being, and he beats to his own drum. He has not done a poll of whether or not he would resign with the company and the majority that he would abide by the poll results. That would be a very interesting poll, and if anyone would have copycatted Elon, I would think that would be Brian Gray. I, thought, I would think that would be very funny. But as an aside, Brian Gray, he does what he wants, and that's very cool. Pop Century, Leaf Autos. That's a Leaf product. LaMelo Ball 2018, Chino Hills autographs. That's a Leaf product. 
Big example this past week or two, not sure which, when the news broke, that happened. So I'm going to soccer educate you for a moment, okay? All right, educate me on soccer. This is important. This is like mind-blowingly cool, okay? Leaf drops continuum autos for soccer, which is essentially a print-on-demand sticker auto card of varying players. They are, I believe they're player licensed. I would, and they have obviously the legal uses of using the autographs. Each card of each sub autograph subject is individually priced and they are printed up to 199 copies or when the timer expires after a week. And each week they have a new wave of players. So I know, it's kind of like tops now a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of like tops now, except it's autographs and it's leaf. So no one cares. There you go. But, um, one of Important example, I guess, was Erling Holland, his first Manchester um, City uniform card. Okay, good. Oh my god, I would have that would have been so bad if I accidentally said Manchester United. I had to double check myself. I had to double check myself. So <laughs> you're good. You're good. The listeners like you wouldn't tweet and criticize me that I didn't accidentally say Manchester United. But um, Holland's first Manchester City cards in a Manchester City kit were Leaf Continuum autos. That's cool. But relevant to recent events, six months ago, 16-year-old Brazilian prodigy Hendrik Felipe got Leaf Continuum autos for $79 retail. I have to give a shout-out to Infinite Card 00, who runs some of the best soccer sales on Twitter, mega genius soccer guy. And he kind of tipped me on to these when these were releasing. And he tipped a few others on. He was very loud and saying, hey, this 16-year-old kid is absolutely disgusting at soccer. You should buy his cards. It's only 80 bucks." And I'm like, damn, I should buy like three of these. That'd be like a really stupid DGen bet, which I kind of did with Jonathan David's autos with Onyx, and that's not going well with me right now. But I digress. Endrick, 16-year-old, they sold out for the first time. They were. It was the first time Leaf did the full 199 card print run. And they sold out before the timer, which made me kick myself. Either this past week or two weeks ago, he signed with Real Madrid as a 16-year-old. I know sales are now doing between the $750 to $900 range on eBay for these Endrick Felipe Leaf Continuum autos. That is over a 10x. That's insane. That's crazy. I'm so glad we had some soccer content here too because I've been buying soccer cards a little bit and it's been fun so soccer is a weird 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 sport but there's like, a lot of diversity in the names and yep. you can see the massive print run disparities between 2017 tops which is an og iconic set 2019 tops which is when you get the holland rookies and the reyna rookies and it starts to pick up a little bit and then 2020 2021 is just normal print to the moon print runs but like Print runs were really, really short printed. I've talked about stickers before. I talked about why they're cool. I think I'm honestly a bigger fan of soccer cards and soccer stickers than the actual sport of soccer because I'm not a huge soccer guy. But I love how you're prospecting down to the 16-year-old. First card is something that legitimately matters in soccer, let alone first autograph card. And people who bought, mostly Twitter people, who bought this Leaf Continuum motto of Endrick, made bank if they held. Soccer is also a good example of like what happens if there's competition between card companies because you actually have 
Panini and Topps both having significant licenses and being able to make cards of the greatest players in the world on both okay. sides, even though they're in different uniforms. I'm going to guess you've never heard of Andrew Felipe before. Have you? Have you not? I, ha- I have no idea. That could be anyone. He could, as they How say, slap me on the ass and I wouldn't know who he is. <laughs> How many followers do you think he has on Instagram? He's a 16-year-old soccer prodigy, so probably like two, four billion. Billion? 2.5 million. That's pretty crazy. That's probably like, I mean, LaMelo Ball probably had that many when he was that age. Yeah, probably. LaMelo Ball probably had like 69 and a half kajillion. But like international buyers, and you know, soccer is such an international sport. But like, yeah, little Brian Gray is here getting the first license autographs. Isn't that fucking crazy? Brian Gray is a wild man, but he's a real human being. Respect for him to getting the 16-year-old soccer prodigy autographs first. So respect to that. I would, yeah, I mean, I don't know, soccer, I don't know. It's confusing. It has a high high barrier for entry for soccer collecting, in my opinion. I like the nuances that you have to stomach in order to, like, you have to know ball. If you collect soccer, you have to know ball. Whether that's vintage, whether that's modern, because there's so many firsts and stipulations. I got a Phil Foden card that I kind of bought in bulk. Yeah, with my English accent, I bought, I boot my Phil Foden 2017 Panini. It's like ECCG, something like that. And it was his second card ever, one of, I believe, two 2017 cards. And there's just so many knowledge where it's like, yeah, this is a card you've never seen before. It was produced, you know, produced by like China. I know China does, has their deco sets. I believe that's what they're called something like that they have some stuff for Dortmund but I'm getting into tangents and I'm saying there are so many manufacturers there's so many producers there's so much demand and first printed legitimately means something when I've talked about minor league baseball cards if it doesn't have an airbrushed major league logo it's meaningless but for Holland first sticker first card first Dortmund kit first Salzburg kit first Norway kit all of these hold value for different reasons. And it's not just Holland. Holland's just the easiest fan favorite megastar that comes to mind. But there is so much to these players. And you have to know ball. I also, you have to know ball. I think it's also important for soccer that Ronaldo and Messi kind of have this like very low print run rookie card situation where there's very few options. And um, a lot of them have pretty low print runs. I know Ronaldo has that SP authentic that's pretty fire, but just kind of keeps the saturation low for those guys, which helps. I think there could be an issue with soccer in the future with having these guys end up with like a ton of different cards and a ton of different products. But I mean, that's that's not totally just soccer. That's obviously every product. But Max, I mean, I I have to cut off the soccer conversation because no, I think Eric, milk, but. Eric White, Eric, White, Eric Whiteback would like this conversation too much, so we have to stop it. You've gone, you've, you've upgraded me from mini to first edition. Let's get to Stadium Club Sapphire Chrome. That's where we're at now. So, Max, I, I asked you before this to think of your best Christmas memory with cards, and you had a very fiery response that I want you to expand upon now. Um, I am anti cards as gifts for me personally i don't like being a recipient because i mean if you're desperate like please do but i see it as like an indulgence and part of it is that i kind of view it with such like 
kind of a financial bent of like, this is worth this, this is worth that. And I feel very hazy when buying, if it's, and also if like, if you want to buy wax, like if you insist on getting me cards, I have to kind of pick it for you. Cause like, I, it's not that I'm picky. It's just that I don't want you getting ripped off. That's the biggest thing. I had a hidden fates Pokemon tin given to me for last Christmas because I was collecting sealed wax. I still have my sealed Pokemon stash because the wax is cool and you can actually put it on display and it's cool and wicked. Did I mention it's cool and wicked? And the resale, the retail at a 20 resale rate was like 45 to 50. And I found out that they paid 80 for it. And that was just heart wrenching to me. And I still have it. I still need the other two Hidden Fates tins that I will probably go and complete at some point so that I can put them on my wall. But seeing, like, I can only imagine a friend or family member or someone that I care, someone that cares about me dearly enough to want to get me a present, let alone cards, which is something that I keep close to my heart. I try not. Tommy shouts out and tells everyone in the world that he is a card collector when it's fitting. And it's something that I nurture and it's like, no, I'm not going to talk about my cards. But if you know me enough to where you know about my cards and all of my cards, I don't want to see you get ripped off by the local racist hobby shop by just dealing out wax that's 1.5 times market value. You know, your old crazy kooky card store guy. I don't want someone we, that I know. We aren't anti-LCS, Max. We are not anti-LCS here. We are not anti-LCS. Well, you want me to get fiery? I have some fire. You're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to quench me. I have nothing. I'll tell you when to stop. Okay, and I won't abide by that. I have nothing wrong with local card shops. I do have issue with them in 2019 and 2018 saying, "Hey, we can barely keep the lights on, even if you can, you know, not necessarily quid pro quo stating it, but even if you can get it online for ten to twenty dollars cheaper for a box of hobby, you're supporting your local." your local community, you're supporting your local shop. And we appreciate that to boom, 2020 COVID fuck you or $40 above resale rate. And we're going to sell it anyway. We don't need you. The hobby's booming and you're a worthless piece of garbage. And I had never had a problem turning the lights on the store. That's what I don't like about hobby stores. We can say that everyone is short-term minded and that a market is a market, but there were hobby stores that legitimately needed to put on the lights. And those same hobby stores were the ones scalping and flipping and blah, 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 especially in an environment where that wasn't, it wasn't the sneaker market. It wasn't Supreme. You don't go to target and you flip everything off the shelves at the very least. And like there, it was more uncouth back in that time. Now it's more understandable because it's adapted and people know about it. But you don't just go like go full fuck the kids mode. All right, not all hobby shops are doing that, but fuck the hobby shops that were saying fuck the kids. And I'm not but, even saying like don't flip the prism. Like you want to flip the prism? That's the investor product. Like fine, don't flip the tops archives or the Panini illusions. Yeah, don't flip archives. Definitely is a rule of thumb. But Max, you're anti Christmas cards. That makes sense. But I'm pro Christmas cards. I'm not for are, Christmas. Cards. Are you pro tops holiday? Real quick. Um, I am pro Acuna bat down 2018 getting parallels. I am not pro 
Julio Rodriguez getting a billionth rookie card. Yes. Although I will say it also is one of Juan Soto's only releases. And I'm going to talk about 2018 because I think he has like 10 sticker autographs in all of Topps Holiday, which makes him like uber short printed. And that's wicked. That's sick. But the I don't want it to be a product where it becomes a resale product. Actually, I don't care if it becomes a resale product or not a resale product. I'm independent from that. I like rarity. I cling to rarity. I'm pro tops mini because of its rarity and the ability to get low numbered cards. But with tops holiday, the four SSSPs I think are cool. I think that they go, I don't think they're appreciated enough for me to want to appreciate the product. If that makes any sense. It's, there's a difference between a fun rip and a good product, Max, and I think Holiday and Mini are both a good example of products that are kind of fun rips but are not actually great products. So I'm going to leave it's it at totally that. Disagree. Fun rips are great products. I'll leave that for another episode. But I want to tell Christmas yeah, stories, not, and you're not letting me tell Christmas stories. No, I'm not, because I'm saying that Prism is a terrible rip, but a good or a bad product? Bad product. Okay, good. N- new Prism, bad product. Old Prism, good product. Okay, I just wanted to wrap that thought. Okay, yes. Tommy, what did you get for Christmas? Max, I've gotten cards for Christmas pretty much every year of my life. There's a funny picture of me when I was like two year, three years old getting a pack of 2002 Fleer Ultra and like a binder in the, for Christmas, and that's a great picture. But I ripped two, in 2003, I got a LeBron Topps rookie, the one with the white jersey or the white suit. So I thought I was, as you like to say about your Jose Abreu Target Red, fucking rich and <laughs> and i still have that card it's probably like a psa5 but um no my i always get packs on christmas I've ripped a lot on christmas and i pulled a lot of good stuff i pulled a carmelo anthony nuggets jersey patch one time and then the next pack i got a george gerving this was i was ripping 2008 tops basketball which is an insane product but pulled both those back and george gerving the Iceman relic back to back unbelievable i was so hyped i thought i was fucking rich and then i've also pulled you know random Wait, other you, <laughs> you know how pissed i was when i got into the hobby and i found out my carmelo anthony relic was only worth like five bucks when i was like this card is so sick this should be worth like a hundred dollars the decline of game used relics is shocking and such an insightful topic yeah well not a topic for another episode though i think with someone who was more around, who knows more about like the early stages. I actually saw something that the first ever like relics in a card are actually on NASCAR cards. Did you know that? What do you know what year or around what year? Yeah, I think let me pull it up because I have a screenshot and I totally forgot about this. It's something that I could have brought up today. But real quick. Game used race relics. It's on the Prime collection. He posted about it. Nineteen ninety five. Or 1996 yeah. press pass, burning rubber. Look it up. Burning rubber. Burning rubber. Tires. Game used tires. But that's the first ever relic set, which is kind of crazy. NASCAR. Who would have thought? But okay. yeah, Christmas. Buy me cards for Christmas, people. I'm cool with that. I'm not I'm not a Grinch like Maximus Maximus Grinch edition. Just I'll kidding. take cards for Christmas. Max, it was you should have been holiday edition. God damn it. I'm such a dumbass. Well, next week, Max, do you want to tell the people what we're going to be doing next week? What topic we're going to be covering? Are we going to be talking about the best eBay buys of the year? That 
is what the kids are telling me. So keep an eye out for that next week. What? 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 Good episode, Max. Next week we'll next week we will be talking about all our eBay buys of the year. I know that's a very popular segment every week, but we're actually not gonna do the segment this week in anticipation of next week being eBay buys of the year. Big episode we'll be talking about. I'm going to try to run the numbers for myself. I'm going to do in a little Maximus Excel spreadsheet, do a little number crunching, give you guys a little Spotify or a eBay wrapped, as one could say. And uh, Max, you can do the same, right? eBay wrapped. You can do, I want to hear some seller wrap too from you because I feel like it goes both ways for you. I'll More. talk about some cool stuff. I'll, you know I'll make a little Google Keep and I'll start typing my little details and my little notes on it. Oh, I can't wait to I can't wait to hear about it. And yeah, four uh, on and four young old heads podcast, a collecting podcast, a collecting podcast. You know, I love the a collecting podcast. But yeah, make sure to follow. Uh, we've been posting a lot on YouTube Shorts, trying to run some clips. I finally figured out how to make good podcast clips, which is huge for the program. So. Expect more of those popping up. And if you have any suggestions for things that you think you would be funny clips from past episodes, feel free to DM me or Max and that'll be a a fun contribution. Uh, But yeah, until next time, I'm Tommy. Max, you want to say who you are? I'm Max. Tommy and I have not had enough chicken noodle noodle soup. We are voracious. I'm going to go get some food. I'll talk to you later.